Turn with me to Matthew's Gospel, please. Chapter 24. Matthew 24. We're just going to read the first three verses. And we will refer to them and to other parts uh, in a little while. Matthew 24 and verse 1. And Jesus went out and departed from the temple. And his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, there shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming on the end of the world? Let us pray. Father, We thank you for the ministry and song. We thank you, Father, for the the group who have led us in praise and for Billy who has sang on to you. And we ask you, Lord, to bless them tonight. And so, Father, we ask you to bless this congregation who have come out in a dark and wet night to hear your word and to gather under this roof. Will you encourage them and as our faces differ, so do our needs. And we pray you'd meet each and every one of them. Lord, we ask you now just to shut us in with yourself and help us, Lord. Help this man, Lord, to bring the word of God to your people as you would have me to do. So glorify your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray it and we ask it in his most matchless and wonderful name. Amen. This evening we want to look at the title and the subject, The Fig Tree and Violence at Jerusalem. The Fig Tree and Violence at Jerusalem. In our reading this evening in Matthew 24, in verse 3, for example, it says, And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming and the end of the world? And here we understand the disciples are wanting to know what's going to happen, Lord Jesus. When are these things going to happen? When will the stones be pulled down in the temple where one will not be left upon another? But also we want to know what's the sign of your coming and the end of the world? What will it be like? You have to remember, brothers and sisters, the time in which our Lord is speaking this. And this was all accomplished in A.D. 70, when Titus, the Roman general, surrounded the city, and Jerusalem was under siege. There was violence in Jerusalem, and of course they pulled down the temple. Just as the Lord said, not one stone would be laid or left upon another. And notice here, the temple would be destroyed, meaning their worship would be finished. There would be no more lambs to be slain at all forever in Jerusalem. The very system of the Jews was to be made obsolete because the final lamb, the lamb of all lambs, the once and for all Lamb, the Lamb of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, would shed His most precious blood on Calvary's tree. Puritan Elisha Coles said this, Sin could not die unless Christ died. Christ could not die without being made sin. Nor could he die, but sin must die with him. Let me break it down for you quite simply. Sin could not die unless Christ died. So Christ's death was the end of the power of sin over you and I. 
And then he says, Christ could not die without being made sin. God in his righteousness and holiness, wanting to uphold justice, would have no legal warrant, as it were, to slay his son because he is pure and holy and harmless, undefined and separate from all sinners. So he must be, as it were, made sin, our sin, to be placed upon him in order for him to die because sin brought forth death. And then, lastly, he says, nor could he die, but sin must die with him. My sin and your sin died in Christ, died in him. The old hymn writer J. Wilbur Chapman wrote the words, Living he loved me, dying he saved me, buried he carried my sins far away, rising he justified freely forever. One day he's coming, O glorious day. And one day our Lord Jesus Christ will come again. One day he will break the clouds and the skies will roll back like a scroll. One day we will hear the sound of the trumpet, the voice of the archangel, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air with them. Changed in the moment in the twinkling of an eye. And so in our reading in Matthew 24, it tells us, if you will look at it, please, where our Lord was sitting. Matthew 24 and verse 1, And Jesus went out and departed from the temple. The word temple is the word hereon. And hereon means the very structure. He was never in the Holy of Holies in the temple. It was the very structure of the whole precincts of the temple. The, the Holy of Holies is known as the Naos or the Naos. And that's where God would meet the high priest of Israel. That's where God would meet the high priest in the tabernacle in the wilderness. And that is the Naos. And when Paul says that you, believer, and me, that you and I, we are the Naos of God. We are the place where the Holy Spirit lives when we're saved and when we're trusting in Christ and washed in his blood. That naos is done away with. That naos will not return. The new naos is among a body of people. Christ lives in you and lives in me. We meet the Father in Christ and we are reconciled to God in him. Notice it says, and as he said, pardon me, verse 1, went out and departed from the temple and his disciples came for to show him the buildings of the temple and Jesus said unto them, Ye see not all these things. Verily I say unto you, there shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. Jesus is on the east side of the temple. And the temple faced east for the rising of the sun would shine down onto the temple. And the temple was adorned that it was so bright it would shine for miles. It was like a city on a hill that cannot be hid. And the, the disciples are saying, look at the temple. Isn't it marvelous? 46 years it took in building. Isn't it a wonderful spectacle? And surely if someone was to be right with God, and if someone was to be saved, that we'd be in this temple where the Lamb's blood is shed, where the Naos, the Holy of Holies is, where God said he would come and meet with his people. But God hadn't been there in years. It was all a facade. The temple, the temple, the temple, they cry. And though today, is it not true that even here in little old Ulster, it's the denomination, the denomination, the denomination. It's the church I belong to, the church I belong to, the church that I visit. Surely that's enough for me to be saved. Brothers and sisters, we know tonight that salvation isn't in a church. It's not in this one. It's not in a denomination. Salvation is in a person. Salvation is in the Lord Jesus Christ. Salvation is looking these disciples on the east of the city, on the east of the 
temple and he's on the Mount of Olives. And so looking from the Mount of Olives into the temple, the sun would come up and shine down. Now I have taught before, I'm not going to do it again, but I'm going to tell you, I believe that Mount Calvary or where the crucifixion was, I don't believe it was Gordon's Calvary that everyone says. I believe he was crucified on the Mount of Olives. I've taught on it before, I'll maybe do it again sometime. Because Jesus could see the temple and the great veil that was rent from the top to the bottom. When he cried, it is finished. When God had made the way and paved the path for you and I to enter into his naos in the heavens, the Holy of Holies. Jesus must have been to the east where the sun comes up and shines down into the temple to see the temple rent in twain. He had to be at the Mount of Olives. Notice now he is there. He is upon the Mount of Olives when the disciples come to ask him these questions. In Matthew 27, 51, in Mark 15 and verse 38, and in Luke 23 and verse 45, all tell us that the Savior died and the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. From the top to the bottom. You turn with me to Zechariah, please, chapter 14. Zechariah chapter 14. Our Lord Jesus is on the Mount of Olives. As I said, I believe that he was crucified at the Mount of Olives. It was also the main thoroughfare into Jerusalem. And the Romans always crucified you on the main thoroughfare as a way of warning others as they walk past. Zechariah 14, please. Verse 1. Behold, the day of the Lord cometh, and thy spoils shall be divided in the midst of thee. For I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle, and the city shall be taken, and houses rifled, and the women ravished, and half of the city shall go forth into captivity, and the residue of the people shall not be cut off from the city. Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations as when he fought in the day of battle. Now take note, verse 4, and his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives. He ascended from the Mount of Olives and he's coming back again to the Mount of Olives. His feet, the feet of Christ, the feet of God, the feet of the Lord, the Elohim, God Almighty, our King, is coming back in the person of Christ and he will stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem, on the east, and the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof, toward the east and toward the west, and there shall be a great valley, and a half of the mountain shall move toward the north, and half of it toward the south. And ye shall flee to the valley of the mountains, for the valley of the mountains shall reach to Azal. Yea, ye, ye shall flee like as ye fled before the earthquake in the days of Uzziah, the king of Judah. And the Lord my God shall come and all his saints with thee. We're waiting on it. God has promised it. And we're waiting on Jesus coming again. Can I ask you tonight, are you saved? Are you saved? Are you ready for the coming of the Lord? We see even in our news the nations that are gathered against or on support of the Israeli state, the Jewish nation. We see them coming with their saber rattling from all over. Protests in every country, even over to South America tonight. Some are for and some are against, mainly against. And the Lord says that the nations shall come against. There will be violence at Jerusalem. But when Christ returns, his power is so great when he lands upon the Mount of Olives, it's going to be split in two. Now, I've never been to the Holy Land, as they call it. And I would always like to see it, but if I don't see it, this side of eternity, when Christ comes again, I'm going to see it 
when his feet land at the Mount of Olives. I'm just hoping there's a lot of the city left because I'll tell you why. There's going to be a big earthquake. Like the days of Uzziah, there's a big earthquake and all of Judah ran. And he said, it's going to be like that great earthquake that happened before. In fact, do you know that from the Mount of Olives that they have found there is a fault line right the whole way down to the Horn of Africa? They didn't know that in Jesus' day, but Jesus knew that. The Lord knew that because he created that. And when creation is groaning and in travail, as Paul tells us, like a woman ready to give birth, the earth is like this. The power of Christ will come with all the saints with him and his feet will stand upon the Mount of Olives and it's going to cleave in two. The whole mountain will move. The whole mountain will split in half. The whole mountain will move to the north and to the south or to the east or to the west. And Christ will show himself not as lamb, but as lion. He is coming as the lion of the tribe of Judah. Notice this, if you will. Go back with me, please, to Matthew's gospel and just Matthew 24 and keep yourself there for a moment. So then the master goes on to tell a parable to instruct, to admonish, to edify, to warn the people. Now take note, he's telling his disciples, and they represent Christ's blood-washed, Christ's blood-bought and spirit-filled believer. He's telling it to his disciples now. And they represent, as it were, you and I down throughout the years, those who will receive Christ as Lord and Savior, will come to know Christ as Lord and Savior. They are the overcoming believers, the overcoming saints. You see, they are disciples, disciplined in their faith, disciplined and faithful in their walk with the Lord. They are vigilant in prayer. Vigilant in watching and waiting for the Lord's return. They are vigilant in looking at the signs of the times. Vigilant to walk circumspectly every day because they see the day approaching. Ephesians chapter 5 verses 14 to 16 says these words. Awake thou that sleepest and rise from the dead and Christ shall give thee light. See that you walk circumspectly. Notice, not as fools, but as wise. Redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Redeeming the time, because the days are evil. The word circumspectly here is a Greek word, parapateo. And listen to what it means. It means to order one's behavior. How's your behavior? How's your behavior at home? How's your behavior at work? How's your behavior every day? It means to order oneself, their behavior. To conduct oneself wisely. That is to see that your conduct is accurate with respect to the demands of the Word of God. It's how you living and conducting your life, Christian, in the light of all the things that are happening in our world today. Are you conducting yourself, conducting your life, conducting your behavior? Are you conducting yourself is it accurate with respect to the demands of the Word of God? Or are you living like a demon, acting like a demon? D.W. Whittle wrote the words, Jesus is coming. Sing the glad word. Coming for those he redeemed by his blood. Coming to reign as glorified Lord Jesus is coming again. Jesus is coming, the promise is true. Who are the chosen, the faithful, the few? Watching and waiting, prepared for review. Jesus is coming 
I can. How would Christ find you should he come tonight? How would Christ find you should he come tonight? Notice this. John Whitlock once wrote, Here is the Christian's way and his end. His way is holiness. His end is happiness. The destruction of the temple in AD 70. One stone was not left upon another, just as Jesus had said. The judgment of God came upon the fig tree. Going to say it again. The judgment of God came upon the fig tree. In case you don't know, I've taught you a few times about these things. We're going to look at it again this evening. For example, the fig tree is where the Romans came and decimated the Jews, Jewry, J-E-W, that is, R-Y. Their Judaistic ways, the Judaizers were done away with. All of it was done away with in AD 70. They rejected the Lord Jesus Christ. They rejected the Lord Jesus Christ. I wonder, is there a Christ rejecter here tonight? They rejected the Lord Jesus Christ. And I wonder, is there a Christ rejecter here tonight? They called for his death. Luke 23, verse 23, it says they... And they were instant with loud voices, requiring that he might be crucified. Notice the language. They were instant. These people knew what they wanted. The old chief priests and scribes had been in their ear. Like a worm in their ear. Tell them to release Barabbas and crucify Christ. Reject this man, Christ, and save, release Barabbas. Wonder who's in your ear tonight. I wonder who you give your ear to to listen to negativity and gossip and slander and hate. Listen to the Reverend Leon Morris. He was a principal of Ridley College in Melbourne. Listen to what he said. The mob, talking about the Jews in Jerusalem, the mob was insistent. Their loud cries give the impression that a riot was beginning to build up. This just wasn't a few. Yeah, crucify him and give us Barabbas. The whole crowd started to build. It's as though there's going to be a massive riot. Notice, their loud cries give the impression that a riot was beginning to build up. It must have been obvious to Pilate that the situation was becoming increasingly ugly. The mob's shouts won the day, and the voices of them and of the chief priests prevailed. And Christ was sent to a whipping post, and Christ was sent to Mount Calvary. There was going to be a rat in the city. You need to get the idea of this. This is the heart behind this, the thinking about it, the Christ rejecter. And don't you think Belfast would be any different today if Christ was to be tried in Belfast? Even if he emptied out the sick in all the hospitals. Even if he raised the dead of every loved one. The heart would soon turn with the earworm of the wicked. And they would call for his demise and destruction. Don't you think it would be any different tonight? 
if it would be where you live. And so the voices of them and of the chief priests prevailed, says Dr. Luke. And here we have the, the rejection. We have the interrogation, the molestation, and the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus. There was violence at Jerusalem. The fig tree, the fig tree, I want you to get this, because I'm going to show you this in a minute. The fig tree was violent in Jerusalem against Christ. Listen, we can talk about all sorts of violence with nations against nations and people against people and the inhumanity of man to a fellow man. Man's inhumanity to man is gross and grotesque at, at, the, at the best level. And violence at Jerusalem and all the nations around about it, or the Romans in AD 70, we can look at it and talk about it. But the greatest violence that was done in Jerusalem was the violence against the Son of God. Was the violence against the Lord Jesus Christ. The greatest violence in Jerusalem was when they called for his death or when they plotted together and planned together the old Pharisees and the scribes and the Sadducees and all of the leaders of Jewry. When they plotted and planned, it says, to destroy Jesus what greater violence could there ever be? And yet even in AD 70, they say, there was either approximately 2 million Jews who either starved to death, who were crucified or slain or took away in captivity to Rome. Yet even all of that violence, because man is sinful, man is away from God, and they rejected Christ, his blood be upon us and our children. What greater violence? Yet every single man, if we all got justice, and every single woman, if justice was meted out to us, every one of us would be lost. Thank God we didn't get justice. Thank God we got grace washed in the blood of the Lamb. The violence at Jerusalem was at its height when they crucified the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to what it says in Ecclesiastes chapter 5. Ecclesiastes 5 and verse 8. Let me just get a drink. If thou seest the oppression of the poor and violent perverting of judgment and justice in a province. This is Judea. It happened in Judea. It happened in Jerusalem. Marvel not at the matter, for he that is higher than the highest regardeth, and there be higher than they. You think of the the violence and the perverting of judgment and justice in Ulster. You think of the slaughtering of the innocents by bomb and bullet on both sides of the community. You think of what happened in this little province. The violence in it. The injustice of it. And they think they've got away with it. But the word of God says there's a higher than they. Stand before God for it. Stand before God for it. Pilate tried to wash his hands of Christ. The Pharisees thought they had won the day. Old Herod and government thought all was his. 
the old Edomite Jew, wasn't even a true Judahite. They're forgetting one day they'll all stand before God. There's things in our lives if we're not under the blood. There's things in our lives that if you've never been to the cross to have them forgiven. Doesn't matter, you might have done them as a wee boy or a wee girl. You forgot all about them, but time does not forget. Time is a wonderful way of revealing things unto revelation. And God always has it before him as if it was done that very second. Friend, if you're not saved, get saved tonight. Get it under the blood. Get it under the blood. I think of the governments. The despots they're turning into. I think of how they're treating the people as if they're nothing. Telling the people how to live. It's going to get worse. What they can do, what they can't do, what they can have, what they can't have, what they can drive, what they won't drive, how they will spend and what they won't spend. The governments are sitting there, but they're forgetting. There's violence done to the people through this, and they're forgetting there's one higher than they. So let's look at the brief, briefly at the fig tree this evening. Jeremiah 24, if you would like to turn with me. Say, well, some people may not understand what I mean by the fig tree. Jeremiah chapter 24, please. And I want you to see, because the kingdom of Israel had separated into two kingdoms. The ten northern tribes, the house of Israel is known as And then you have the two southern, well, there's three, but Levi had no inheritance of land or anything like that. So it's usually known as the the ten of the north and the two of the south, and it's known as the house of Judah. The derivative name Jew comes from Judah. Judea comes from Judah. And the house of Israel are now taken away captive by the Assyrians about 120 to 40 years probably, maybe around about that, time. And the time we're running into, and now Jeremiah is the prophet to Judah. He's telling them what the word of the Lord is. The house of Israel are gone, never to return as a kingdom again, and scattered throughout the nations of the West. Take note of this. Jeremiah 24 and verse 1. The Lord showed me, and behold, two baskets of figs were set before the temple of the Lord after that Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, had carried away captive Jeconiah, the son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah. And the princes of Judah and the carpenters and smiths from Jerusalem and had brought them to Babylon. One basket had very good figs, even like the figs that are first ripe, and the other basket had very naughty figs which could not be eaten, they were so bad. Then said the Lord unto me, What sayest thou, Jeremiah? And I said, Figs, the very good, the good figs, very good, and the evil, very evil. Notice the difference. Very good and very evil. That cannot be eaten, they are so evil. And again, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Thus saith the Lord, the, the God of Israel, Like these good figs, so will I acknowledge them, that are carried away captive of Judah, whom I have sent out of this place into the land of the Chaldeans for their good. For I will set mine eyes upon them for good, and I will bring them again to this land, that is the holy land, and I will bring them and not pull them down, and I will plant them and not pluck them up, and I will give them a heart to know me. Notice, I will give them a heart to know me. that I am the Lord, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God, for they shall return unto me with their whole heart, as and as the evil figs which cannot be eaten, they are so evil. Surely thus saith the Lord, so will I give Zedekiah the king of Judah and his princes the residue of Jerusalem that remaineth in this land, and them that dwell in the land of Egypt. 
And I will deliver them to be removed into all the kingdoms of the earth for their hurt, to be a reproach and a proverb, a taunt and a curse, and in all places whither I shall drive them. Take note of this. And I will send the sword and famine and the pestilence among them till they be consumed from off the land, and I will give unto them and do unto their fathers. The Lord says the evil figs were going to be scattered throughout all the region, all through the nations. And there's going to be evil done to them. And this is the Judaite... Uh, is the Judaites uh, first, if you want, the bad figs, those who had come and disobeyed the word of the Lord. The Lord says, go into Babylon, I'll bring you out after 70 years. And those who went in and obeyed the Lord, he says, they're good figs. They're hearing the word, they're answering to the word, they're fulfilling the word. But the evil figs, I'm going to cast them away. Zedekiah seen all of his sons, the king of Judah then, seen all of his sons slain before him. And then they put his eyes out. Some say they were burnt out with hot irons. The last living visual memory that Zedekiah had was the slaying of his sons for the rest of his life. That's all he could see for the rest of his life. The very last visual would have been the slaying of his sons by the Babylonians. The Lord says that the Jews would go in to all the nations and they would be slain for their own hearts. Now, those who were good come back, but only 42,000, I think it's 42,360 came back. And the rest stayed in Babylon, lived in Babylon, loved Babylon, the things of Babylon, and they just started to marry and intermingle with all the Babylonians, and they took their worship onto that which they thought they had taken from the Holy Land. And out of it comes a Babylonian Talmud. Some of them now, I'll put it in brackets, are Jews in our Lord's day. They've come in with all of this, and their Pharisees, and their Sadducees, their Jews, religiously in our Lord's day. And our Lord is calling, and those who were good figs came to faith in Christ. And the bad figs called for his crucifixion. By this time, Edom, Esau, Idumea, all the same people from Esau had been forced converted after Uh, John Harkanus and the Maccabean Revolt, that's between your Old Testament and your New Testament. He had forcibly converted everybody that was in Edom over to Judaism, if you want, or to their religion at the time. So all of these, Herod was an Edomite. He wasn't a Judaite, he was an Edomite. And now they're all admixtured, and Christ is in the middle of all of this. And they're crying for his crucifixion but there are those who heard and believed in him. Now stay with me. So here's the good figs and the bad figs. Turn with me, if you will, to Mark chapter 11. Now we're in the days of our Lord. I'll give you a brief rundown of the history. Matthew 11, please. And let's read from verse For time's sake, let's read from verse 20. And in the morning, as they passed by, they're going to Jerusalem now. And in the morning, as they passed by, notice, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter calling to remembrance unto him, Master, behold, the fig tree which thou cursest is withered away. And Jesus answering said unto them, Have faith in God. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, now they're in Bethany, and they're passing the Mount of Olives. And I say unto this mountain, the Mount of Olives, be thou removed, that when he comes back, 
it's going to split in half. But the fig tree, remember the day before they're going into Jerusalem and Jesus seen the tree and he went over to eat some fruit off it. And as he gets under the leaves and the branches, he goes to take the fruit. And what happened? There's no fruit on it. It's all just foliage. And he cursed the fig tree. And now the next day, the fig trees withered up. Now, these fig trees grew to about 15, but between 15 to 25 feet. They weren't little plants. By the next day, it was withered up. And this was a sign of what would happen with the Jews in Jerusalem. This is a sign. This was prophetic of Christ, of what would happen with the Jews at Jerusalem. The barren fig tree, as I said, represents jury, J-E-W-R-Y. Those who were not Christ, they rejected him. They were without spiritual fruit. They had their religious Judaistic foliage off their leaves as a fig tree. But no fruit. Foliage, but no religion. Temple worship and sacrifice, psalm singing, ceremony, piety, robes and ritual, but no fruit. They rejected Christ. They had twisted and turned the word of God and mongrelized it with their Babylonian Talmudic teachings and traditions of men, held it high above the law of God. Turn with me to Luke 13, if you will. Luke 13, verse 6. And he spake also this parable, a certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard. Notice it's a fig tree in a vineyard. It's strange, isn't it? Vines grow in vineyards. Is that not right? This is a fig tree. Why? Because they're not true Judaites or even Israelites. Many of them are Edomites. And it's a fig tree representing Jewry. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard and he came and sought fruit thereon and found none. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? It's what's happened as he's walking into Jerusalem. Then said he unto the dresser of his vineyard, Behold these three years I come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. Cut it down. Why cumbereth it the ground? And he answering said unto him, Lord, let it alone this year also till, till I shall dig about it and dung it. And if it bear fruit well, and if not, then after that thou shalt cut it down. Now take note, and he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath day. He's telling this parable to the Jews, to the leaders of Jewry. And he's saying there's a man had a vineyard, and in the vineyard was a fig tree. And he says, the owner of the vineyard says, what's a fig tree doing in a vineyard? Cut it down. Why is it cumbering the ground? It's only causing me trouble and taking up room, in other words. Cut it down. But for three years, he said, I've been working here on this. Let it alone this year also. Give it one more year. The Lord Jesus Christ, at the age of 30, baptized of John in the River Jordan, began his ministry on the earth. He ministered among uh, Judea up into Galilee for three years. He is with me. For three years. And he's saying, the Father says, finish with them now, son. He says, Lord, Father, give me one more year. Fulfilling Daniel's 70 weeks prophecy that in the midst of the week it shall be cut off. Three and a half years Jesus was crucified. They called for his death at Calvary. That's what he's saying. And he's in the synagogue. There was violence in Jerusalem against Christ. Matthew 21, please. I'll have you 
more like a Bible study tonight. Matthew 21. And let your eye run down, if you will, <clears throat> to verse 43. If you were to read earlier in the chapter from verse 19 onward, you'll see, uh, you'll read about uh, fig tree withering there also in the same chapter, Matthew 21, verse 43. Let's read from verse 42. Jesus saith unto them, that is unto the Jews, did you never read in the scriptures? The stone which the builders rejected, the same has become the head of the corner. This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Now take note, this is what he said. You've rejected, the builders have rejected me. They will reject me. Therefore, because of that, I say unto you, to the Jews, to the ears of Jewry, I say unto you, the kingdom of God shall be taken from you. Are you reading that? The kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to a nation, bringing forth the fruits thereof. The word nation is not the same for church. The church is ecclesia. The word nation here is ethnos. Those who are ethnically Israelites. Take note of this. And whosoever shall fall on this stone. Here's still the grace and mercy extended. If you fall on the stone, fall in repentance, in other words, shall be broken. But on whomsoever it shall fall, it will grind him to powder. And when the chief priests and Pharisees had heard his parables, they perceived that he spake of them. And what did they do? Fall on the stone fall at his feet? Did they cry for mercy, repent of their sins and their ways and their religion and their rituals? Did they say, have mercy on me, O Jesus, like the blind Bartimaeus cried out to him? Did they cry with all their hearts and say, lo, you are the Lord, we are so sorry. Notice, but when they sought to lay hands on, they sought to lay hands on him, they feared the multitude because they took him for a prophet. In other words, they were going to kill him. I wanted him dead. Brothers and sisters, this is the Bible. This is Bible truth. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 23, please. Matthew chapter 23. Let your eye run down to verse 37. The Lord Jesus has been given all, there's eight woes in this chapter, all about the scribes, the Pharisees, hypocrites, he keeps saying over and over again. Because he knows their hearts and the rejection and how they'll turn the people. Verse 37, listen to what he cries. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee. How often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and you would not. In other words, you, you wouldn't trust in me. The prophets sent prophets to you. We've read Jeremiah about the figs, the good and the bad. Daniel sends out the warning. Isaiah speaks about you. He says, and you still wouldn't come to me. John the Baptist came preaching and crying against your sin. I wonder what he would say to Ulster tonight. I've sent preacher and prophet to you, Ulster. I've sent it to you. I've sent it into your churches. I've sent it in through your denominations and it's been rejected. I've been turned away. The word has not been adhered to, nor listened to, nor received and accepted. I've sent them out onto the streets, to the highways and the byways, to compel thee to come in and to repent. Ulster, what have you done? The 
could say, even as the prophet cried out, O Israel, thou hast destroyed thyself. Ulster. O Israel, thou hast destroyed thyself. But the word doesn't stop there. It says, but thine help is in me. There's still help for us tonight. There's still help for the soul in need tonight, for the sinful soul who would cry for mercy tonight. There's still help at the cross tonight, help through the blood tonight, forgiveness and redemption of, of sin and salvation. I must round this up tonight. I'll maybe do part two next week. I haven't got into the prophecy bit of it yet. This is just the build-up of it. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate, the Lord Jesus says in verse 38. Your house is left unto you desolate. Would you say desolate? I want you to listen to this. The word desolate is the word eremos. Eremos. And it means to be lonely, to be put to waste, as though in the wilderness. And it actually gives the idea your house is left onto your own devices and you're now without God. <laughs> Look, say if we died without Christ and that was it. See if you died without Christ, you were judged and you were just annihilated as soon as you died or judged if you were guilty of sin and you're not saved. Well, there wouldn't be much for you to be too concerned about because the worst of it is this, that the Lord would say to a soul tonight, the Lord would say to a man and a woman tonight, at the rejection of Christ, you, your house, is left under your own devices and now you're without God. Imagine dying without God. Imagine entering eternity without Christ. We can't even comprehend that. Dying without Christ and knowing the Lord Jesus as your own personal Savior. That's the worst that could ever happen. You know what the worst would be for Ulster tonight? And I fear that United Kingdom or Great Britain has went that way, went that way, and is there almost already. My fear for Ulster tonight is that the Lord would say, your house has left up their own devices. Ulster, who knew the gospel, who taught your children in the way of the Lord, you're left their own devices, and now you're without me. Off you go. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Lord, forgive us. Like Abraham, and the two angels went to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. Lord, if you find 50 righteous in the city, will you not spare it? We could go down to 40, to 30, to 5. If you find five, And the Lord couldn't even find five. You know why? There's Lot and his wife, the two daughters and their sons who would have had them if they were all righteous before God. But doesn't read of this, the, 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 sons, the son-in-laws don't come. And the wife is unrighteous and looks back and hankers to the world and is turned into a pillar of salt and says, without God. And all that are left were Lot and his two daughters who couldn't even find five in Sodom and Gomorrah. Praise God, we're righteous in Christ tonight. And there's a lot of us still here saying, Lord, will you remember us? Will you remember our nation and our land? Will you return Ulster to you? Will you save Ireland? Where do I stop? Okay. I'll do this part and that's me. 
this, your, the kingdom of God is taken from you and given to a nation. The gospel goes from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria to the uttermost part of the earth. It goes west to us, to our forefathers, I mean, down to us. And they see the light of the glorious gospel in Christ. And those are nations that printed the word of God and sent forth the missionaries. God willing, next week I'm going to show you it was our, our nation and prophecies ending off the seven, seven times punishment that released Jerusalem in 1917. God knew what he was doing all along. God knew what he was doing. Even when man was doing his worst. And so, even as the Lord says, the kingdom of God shall be taken from me, given to a nation. No, it reminds me of these Edomite Jews. He's saying, that's it, you're done. Christ rejecting Jews. He says to them, you're done. It's like Judas Iscariot, who betrayed our Lord. He says, it's taken from you. And Matthias was put in his place. Matthew 24, verse 1. We finish here tonight. Jesus went out and departed from the temple. He never returned again, by the way, from this. Never once. He was done with it. They rejected him, but really, they rejected him, but really, Christ rejected them. I'm done here. I've ministered for three and a half years. Verse 3 tells us, As he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming in the end of the world? That is, the end of the age, really, would be A.D. 70. He starts to tell them about these things. And hence the fig tree nation, the Jews would reject the Lord Jesus and violence would come in the form of the Romans. Look at verse 32. This is where we start, God willing, the Lord allowing next week. Verse 32. Now learn a parable of the fig tree. When her branch is yet tender and putteth four leaves, you know, that summer is nigh. Likewise, so likewise ye, when ye shall see all these things, know that it is near, even at the doors. God's will next week, going to show you a prophecy fulfilled. Going to show you how that nation became a Christendom of the nation shook, kingdom of God taken from me and given to a nation, bringing forth the fruits. Show you how Britain came and liberated Jerusalem, 1917. 1948, guess what happened? The fig tree started to grow. The Jewish nation formed again. And, and save or accept just a few of Messianic Jews who know and love the Lord as a whole the nation still rejects the Savior. And he's coming again. And he's not coming to take sides. He's coming to take over. He will not be crucified again. God bless his word to us tonight. And friend, if you're not saved tonight, where would you be if you were to die without Christ? Where would you be if you were to die without Christ? Is there a Christ rejecter tonight? Don't reject him, but accept him. 
come to the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're here to speak with you, to pray with you. Come and see us and don't leave before you get yourself right with God.